Welcome to the OVW Podcast, the unofficial OVW Podcast. I'm Brian Hines. And they think I'm cute. They know I'm sexy. I'm Jackman Oaks. <laughs> it's good to see you, man. Have uh, How was your weekend? Uh, worked a lot. We're down a person at work, so, you know, that's just what you have to do sometimes. I did get the chance to catch up on SummerSlam when I was off work on Sunday and catch up on OVW, so it was a good week. I still got my wrestling in. How about you? I uh, had a pretty good weekend. I took in a local show, uh, Spot Monkey Pro- Promotions in Batavia, Ohio. Uh, I've worked with Tim Taylor for the last few years, uh, and it was wonderful as always. Always puts on a good show, tons of exceptional talent, and uh, I always have a wonderful time. So Batavia is how close to Cincinnati? That would be people's kind of biggest mar- uh, you know, point of reference there. It's out on the east side of Cincinnati, just past 275 on the outside of the loop. So uh, maybe 20 minutes or so, give or take, to downtown. But uh, uh, not in. it's more of a suburban setting. It's not like a city setting, and it was um, at a sports complex. I was going to say, paint the scene. We're at a sports complex. You walk in. A lot, I've been to a lot of wrestling shows I would imagine are about the same size. You never know if they're going to be at a high school gym or out at a fairground or where they'll be. This isn't a sports complex. so Yes, it's a sports complex. It's at least, uh, you know it's going to be air-conditioned. Yes, it Which was. is a big plus whenever you go to a show that size. It's always a 50-50, a coin flip. Um, you saw a lot of good talent that night, including OVW heavyweight champion Jack Vaughn. Yes, I did. He was in the uh, the final match. Uh, and you were telling me a little bit about this. We don't necessarily have to start at the ending, but the name of the event was what again? Good night for a street fight. So he was in the final match. He had he was in the street fight. Uh, actually, I take that back. He was not in the street fight. The street fight was in the final match, but he was uh, towards the the end of it. The, okay. The street fight was the you know. The, the blowout. The blowout, yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's start at the beginning, then, if we're not going to start at the ending. Uh, who else did you see that you liked? Uh, I saw a lot of people that I've seen several times over the years. Uh, I saw a good match between Damian Chambers and Dalton McKenzie. Uh, the exception, I saw uh, Lord Crew versus Amos. Amos did a uh, tribute to exotic Adrian Street. Right, okay. Who just was, passed away. Who just passed away. It was very cool to, to see that. I heard them talk about it. Uh, I believe it was Dave Barnabas Specter, who I, I heard in the background. I had my back turned, but I heard him say something about it. And I thought, wow, I didn't know if anybody here would know who that was because it's mm-hmm. a younger crowd mostly. And rural southern Ohio Exotic Adrian Street doesn't seem like somebody that's widely known out in the countryside. Sure. So I was surprised to hear that, and good on them for doing so. Uh, tribute to him. Can I take a moment to talk about Exotic Adrian Street, who just passed away last week? Please do. Um, just a couple of things that I I knew who he was. Obviously, he's such a big character in the history of wrestling, and especially in British wrestling. Um, but as it happens when someone passes away, a lot of... Uh, reflection is taken upon their life and their career. So I was reading a lot of articles about Exotic Adrian Street. Something that I knew prior to him passing away because it's on, it was released by, uh, re-released by one of my now favorite defunct record labels that I will not say the 
name of because they, uh, like Vince McMahon, they resigned in disgrace. They, they, they did not have a good ending, so I don't want to plug them, but this was on one of my favorite record labels at the time, Exotic Asian Street's like glam rock album. Like, oh. this guy was a huge deal in his time in England. Like, he was a real crossover celebrity to the point that he's, like, recording music. And it's happening around... Obviously, his look is very 1972 London. Uh, but he also recorded a record that's, like, very 1972 London. It's a really, really killer record. Um, the other thing that I found out after he passed away, reading about him after he'd passed away, was there's a, a pretty prominent... Pretty prominent a British sociologist who considers a picture of Adrian Street with his co-working father and all of his co-workers a, the moment where Britain went from being post-war Britain to entertainment era Britain. I thought that that was a really, really great... Not only is it a killer picture, you can find it really easily on whatever search engine you like to use, but I thought that that was such a statement of how popular he was at the time that he was wrestling um, and just what the cultural revolution that Britain was going through. A lot of my favorite music comes from that era, so it was cool to also see wrestling play into that transition from post-war England into entertainment hub England. That's all I got. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought that you were... No, just a couple of things there on Adrian Street. Uh, um, I might We might have to go back in. I'll figure out the name of his album. We'll go back in and put it in. But uh, just a really interesting character, and there's no way to... This, this guy was a John Cena or a Rock Johnson. This guy was a true crossover celebrity in his time in England and obviously has a... A sentimental place in in their history oh sure of course um not to sidetrack you too much from talking about the spot monkey show though i'm really sorry about that i get a little if i can talk about glam rock i can get carried away so <laughs> well there is uh there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with glam rock and there's nothing wrong with a street fight on a good night no, no. So an Friday Adrian night street was a good fight night on a good a night. Fight. And it was a great show. Jack Vaughn and his match with Marty Clay was, you know, Jack Vaughn's Jack Vaughn. Yeah. And whether he's, you know, wrestling in the championship match for OVW or he's wrestling in Batavia, Ohio uh, the next night, uh, you know what you're going to get with Jack Vaughn. Absolutely. Someone that has honed their craft beyond all imaginable um, containment. Like this guy is is really, really, really incredible. If you're a fan of and he knows this, he knows his moveset. He knows how good he is. That's why he fashions himself over people like uh, after people like Tolly Blanchard or Arn Anderson. If you're a fan of just silky smooth technical wrestling Jack Vaughn is your guy, and he might be one of the best people doing it at any level that I've seen uh, in recent memory. It's interesting that you bring up Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson, because when I talked to him, he was wearing an Arn Anderson shirt. That checks out. Yep, I mean, totally even even his, he's a big fan of those red trunks, Yep. you know, with the white boots. He's a big fan of that uh, Skullbusters era yeah. Uh, Tolly and Arn, so you can tell. You can tell. I love a guy. I love a wrestler. I love a rock star. I love anybody 
uh, that creates who wears their influences on their sleeve, and Jack Vaughn certainly does. Well, he wears it around his ankles, but Jack Vaughn certainly does. By mid '80s NWA Horseman era, uh, meat and potatoes wrestling style, Um, and as he will tell you if you ask him, he is the last true professional wrestler. Well, and that's something that that era of wrestling, that skill set, never goes out of style. No, timeless. Uh, was there anybody else there? I, I the if the main event is a street fight, there's got to be a lot that goes into it. It's got to be pretty entertaining, right? It was. It was very entertaining. Uh, and I've seen both of these guys wrestle several times through this promotion. Uh, the street fight was Justin Xavier versus Ron Mathis. And if you're not from the Southern Ohio area, you may not be familiar with them yet but i suspect at some point you could very well be familiar with both because over the course of the last two three years that uh, i've been going to see these these guys are there at almost every show i've ever been to they show up they put in the work and from the time that i first saw a spot monkey show versus last night I can see huge growth in both of these guys, Justin Xavier especially. He's still really young, but within the last six months, a year, he's become an exceptional high flyer. Mm -hmm. You would say that uh, if he were to go to OVW, he would be going in the rush division, and that would be closer to the heart, and he would be in the limelight. Well, hopefully one day we can see him in the rush division uh, sometime because if, if this guy, or I'll just come up to Batavia. If this guy's as good as you say is, and I trust your opinion, we'll just have to make a night out of it, man. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll have a couple beers or something. Um, so one thing I would like to say, too, before we move on from that Spot Monkey show is that you did have an opportunity to sit down with Jack Vaughn, and he did have a couple of things to say to not only you, but the listeners of the OVW podcast available on all of your favorite podcasting networks and all of your favorite social medias at OVW Podcast. Um, he did have a couple things to say to not only you, but the, our listeners here, and that will air later in the week. Uh, right? That's what we got going on, right? Later in yes, the week? Yes, I, I did manage to get a couple of minutes with the OVW heavyweight champ. He's a very busy man, but he was gracious enough to give me a few minutes of his time. And the audio is shaky. Uh, because it was done on the fly, but we will have that uh, in the next few days before Thursday night. And we will have, we are prepared, dear listener, to bring you higher quality audio on the go. Oh, <laughs> don't God, worry. Yes. It's something, we, it's something if you, uh, if this, if you, for whatever reason, don't like this, don't worry. We've got a plan and we're getting it figured out for you. So this past week, August 3rd, OVW uh, showed a, another episode of their weekly television show on Thursday night. That is number 1251. It started off with a promo segment from the faction. At least that's what started off in ring. The way that we really started off was a recap package of last week. Obviously, it's OVW. We love recap packages. And we started off with a backstage segment or an out front of the studio segment with cash flow. He was asked what his involvement in the uh, 
big one would be whether he would be going after his championship gold versus Jack Vaughn or whether he would team up with Luscious Lawrence, Omar Amir, Tony Gunn, and Cal Hero in Team OVW to take on the faction. Uh, It was very clear that he had no idea what he was going to do, but he knew that his timing was run. His time was running short. He knew with it. He seemed conflicted. He wasn't sure which, which path to choose. Right. Within a few hours, he was going to make a huge choice, um, whether or not he was going to stand with this thing that he's put his blood, sweat and tears in OVW, or he was going to go after some personal glory in the form of the OVW heavyweight championship. The first segment in the ring, as I mentioned, was between the faction and cash flow. Uh, the faction, the slimiest group of heels this side of the Mississippi. Uh, Jesse Goddard is kind of going on rhetorically asking him these questions, asking him these like philosophically charged questions about what he was going to do, his decision between right and wrong, trying to taunt him basically in to going after the championship because they knew if cash flow joined team OVW that the faction was not going to win a tables, ladders and chairs match this Thursday night at the big one. Um, this set up an entire evening worth of matches. Uh, there would be, uh, five matches total, um, five members of the faction versus five members of team OVW to decide what the advantage would be inside of the tables, ladders, and chairs match this Thursday at the big one. The match cannot end without all 10 members of the teams being inside of the ring. It's an old school war games type scenario. Yeah, it starts, it doesn't officially start until the 10th man hits the ring. Right. So this is going to be a long match, very very uh, apt for something called the big one. Um, it's going to be a long match. It's going to be a fight. It's going to be. It's not going to be a wrestling match. I hesitate to even call it that. It's going to be a straight-up fight between the members of the faction and Team OVW. The first match in this series of five matches uh, was between Tony Gunn and Adam Revolver. Tony Gunn has kind of been the person that spearheaded the defense of the entire federation against the faction. He's the one that founded Team OVW. Um, He's a really talented wrestler. He's been there for a really long time. Um, He can do, he can kind of do it all. He goes back and forth between heel and face. He's a really, really, really talented wrestler and a great boon to OVW uh, just to have a guy like that that's so dedicated to their brand and can get over with the crowd in the fashion that he can. Um, He faced Adam Revolver, which is another guy that's been around OVW. He took a hiatus from the Federation for a long time, but I know that he works in their training system to some degree. Uh, He's bald and short, and I don't like him that much. Thankfully, Tony Gunn was able to win the match and give OVW their first win, Team OVW, their first win of the night. So the second match of the night was between Layla Gray and Jada Stone. Uh, It was a very quick match. Um, it was over seemingly before it even started. Uh, Layla Gray took care of Jada Stone in short fashion with a new face buster finisher. And, uh, it was really over in a matter of a couple of minutes. So, uh, although 
to her credit, I would say that Jada Stone looked like she had Layla Gray exactly where she wanted her, and at the very end, out of nowhere, boom. Jada Stone's uh, kind of on the smaller side. That, to say the least. Even, yes. even for uh, people on that side of the roster, she's kind of on the smaller side, but she makes up for it in, in an immense amount of athletic talent. Her nickname is The Spark, and it's very obvious from the moment she walks through the curtain. I remember the first time I saw her and the reaction that she got out of specifically children, I thought was very interesting. Um, I obviously, I love, I liked her match. I like her work. Uh, I'm not saying that, you know, that she's only for a younger crowd, but I did think that it was really, really interesting that there was something about her that younger fans were instantly attracted to the moment she didn't, she had, she hadn't even done a test of strength yet. The moment she came through the, uh, entrance these these kids went absolutely nuts for um Layla Gray is a former OVW women's heavyweight champion uh she is probably most known for being associated with the baddies uh Jade Cargill's group in all elite wrestling that's where she came back to OVW and took the nickname the baddie her attitude prior to leaving OVW and her attitude now are completely different. And I mean, a little bit of national screen time and a little bit of national fame will do that to somebody. And it's obvious sure. that that happened to Layla Gray. Um, up next, we had a trios match with the Outrunners with Doug Basham. Doug Basham, one of the people that truly did put OVW on the map. If you listen to... Um, our recap, our brief history of OVW, he was one of the wrestlers that I had mentioned, not by name, but by scenario that had been sent to WWE and gotten uh, changed, you know, gotten altered by Vince McMahon. And then by the time he came back to OVW, Jim Cornette didn't know what to do with him. This guy has a lot of history with OVW. He is teaming with the Outrunners uh, against the Fallen. Uh, the Fallen is led by a former and now a recently turned evil Baptist preacher, <laughs> um, the uh, Triple R superstar, Reverend Roddy Roberts, um, Reverend Robbie Roberts, Ronnie Roberts. We'll have to look that up and fix that. But we have all three now. Um, the Outrunners and Doug Basham, they come out like every cool guy that you wanted to be in 1991. They look like they were extras on like the set of Baywatch or something. Just this great 80s aesthetic. They have a little bit of um, national uh, acclaim as well. They make very, very, very quick work of The Fallen. Um, it was very obvious by the time we saw the two teams who was going to be taking away the W that night. They were then beat down by Josh Ashcraft and the Derby City Destroyers after their match to set up next week's match at the big one. I've got to say that this might have been my favorite match of the week. I'm a huge Outrunners fan. It's impossible not to be. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I'm a huge 80s fan always have been because I lived through it and it was a good time to be alive wrestling fan or otherwise and uh, I I like these guys I love these guys they're great they've got the tools they've got the talent they've got the look and I 
every time they're on the air, I, I love watching them. And they're, they are really incredibly versatile. They look great. Their bodies are great. They have a great set of moves. They're kind of like doing this comedy thing right now. Um, but there's, there's no doubt the, the show that we had the opportunity to go to together, we will be attending the big one this Thursday. But the, one that, the last one that we went to when they came out and made the save for Doug Basham uh, getting beat down by the Derby City Destroyers, they were incredibly sympathetic. And it kind of added another edge to this comedy gimmick thing that they have going on and there's nothing wrong with comedy wrestling other people might uh want to put me up somewhere in a mental institution or something for saying that but i do think that it's very obvious that the outrunners are very very versatile in what they can and cannot do and are getting a lot of national attention which is awesome it's awesome to see guys on TV that you could also go see at the Davis Arena. Oh, absolutely. I uh, read a, an article on uh, Sunday from uh, maybe March saying that the WWE had some interest in them at some point. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, they're going to be at AEW Collision here in Lexington on August, is it 19th? It is the 19th. It that is, is the, 19th? the week of my birthday, so I'm very much looking forward wow. to it. Wow, happy pre-birthday. Well, thank birthday you, sir. Wishes to you. A very unbirthday to you. So up next, uh, Crixus, or someone that we were supposed to believe is Crixus, made his way to the commentary table. It was actually the recently anointed Kentucky Country Boy Heavyweight Champion, Superior Tony Evans, dressed as Crixus to just, I guess, try to take the piss out of them. They have a match next week at the big one uh, to challenge. Crixus would like to challenge again for that Kentucky Country Boy Heavyweight Championship. The match that he was commentating was between Eric Darkstorm and Eric Jackson. Um, he basically spent the entire time doing a really, really bad English accent, even though Crixus is Scotch, and just really yeah, it was awful. It was really bad. Uh, one, it had the one of the commentators had a great line when he said, "He said I'm Crixus," and he said, "No, I think you're Paul McCartney in a cardboard box." <laughs> um, I really like that. Really, I really enjoyed that one. Um, but as far as the match. Uh, it was between Eric Darkstorm and Eric Jackson. When Eric Jackson came out, he really reminded me of just like a D1 athlete. Like this guy looks incredible. He looks, he's got kind of really, really broad shoulders, small waist, huge legs, comes out in the old school uh, unitard, just like really loved the look of this guy until I saw Eric Darkstorm come out and knew what we were all in for. Eric Darkstorm manhandled him. This was really just a match formatting-wise to get uh, Superior Tony Evans some time on mic and to build heat and anticipation for the big one this Thursday. And in that fashion, it did its job really effectively. Eric Darkstorm took the win very easily. Eric Jackson looked great, did a great job, but it just wasn't his night. He was up counting the lights by the end of the match. And this Thursday, I'm hoping that the real Crixus will fix this. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I hope that the real Crixus, for the amount of heat that Superior Tony Evans worked up on Crixus via commentary last week, it would be a real shame if Crixus not only wasn't able to get another attempt at the, his former championship, but not to just shut the guy up for even a couple of minutes because he was really, really, really obnoxious. Yeah, and Crixus is no joke. I saw him wrestle at Country Boy a few months ago, and he's the real deal. Mm-hmm. 
And he may have come out there pretending to be Crixus to poke some fun at him, but I actually think he's poking the bear, and I think the bear is going to stomp him on Thursday. I guess we will see when we're courtside Thursday night. Uh, the next match was between one of my favorite guys. I've I've put 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 him out there as one of my favorite guys. Uh, yes, you did previously. Cal Hero, the fanny pack kid. Uh, his he's looking better than ever. If I was t- talking about Eric Jackson looking good, Cal Hero is looking ten times that. Uh, just a a really really cool character, a really really cool gimmick. People love him. He's he's impossible not to like. Um, and then his match was against someone who was about three times this size in the form of Malabali Shira. I made special note to watch that match because you went on about how Cal Hero was your favorite. So I paid special attention to this match, and I was impressed, as I should have been, just as you said. Well, and one of my other favorites is Malabali Shira. I'm actually on hard camera when he makes his debut and you can literally see my jaw drop because I've never seen a guy that just looked like this before. I'm a really big like physique guy when it comes to wrestling, which is a strange thing to say. Um, But when you see somebody who looks like Malabai Shira and your jaw's not on the floor, then there's something wrong with you, not with him. And to say say, uh, anything less about the match than it was an unfortunate pair up for Cal Hero um, well, what more can I say? Cal Hero loses, Malabai Shiro wins, uh, team, the faction have an advantage at the moment. Team OVW is flailing. They're wondering what they're going to do. They're wondering how it's going to end up. They're wondering if cash flow is going to end up joining them before the end of the night, because at this point in the night, it seems like they desperately need them. Which brings us to our next match, which was Joe Mack of the faction versus Omar Amir. Omar Amir is a former uh, heavyweight champion, former OVW heavyweight champion. He was also a tag team champion with uh, Luscious Lawrence. He was, yeah. That is, yeah, I'd totally forgotten about that. Him and Luscious Lawrence. Luscious Lawrence is also uh, part of Team OVW, so you can see that they've been working on their connection for a long time. Um, Joe Mack is Canadian. He always makes sure to let you know it. Uh, he's, in my opinion, I think he's a good wrestler. I think that he thinks he's about, I think he thinks he's the size of Malabali Shira, to put it nicely. I think that this guy thinks he's a big, tough guy, but I've never seen anything from him that would imply that. But he's not, eh? He's just some regular hoser? He's just some regular hoser, eh? Um, Omar Amir, unfortunately, gets beaten. This is... The only match that Shannon, the dude, the manager of the faction, was not attentively at ringside for, he had decided to join the commentary table during that match. Um, I did think it was interesting that he would join commentary uh, during this Joe Mack match, considering that when you look at Omar Amir and you look at Joe Mack side by side, you assume Omar Amir would be able to best him 11 times out of 10, eight days a week. But... (laughs) Uh, obviously, Shannon, the dude, knew something that we didn't as viewers because Joe Mack uh, won against Omar Amir, and it wasn't too much of a challenge for him. No, not at all. Which leads us to the backstage segment, The Bachelor Party. 
Oh, yes. We have to talk about this. We Everybody knows that I love this. If you've heard the podcast, you know how much I love a good love story. I think that everybody should... I think everybody deserves love. I think everybody should fall in love. I think everybody deserves to find somebody. And Freya the Slayer has found Aaron Grider. And it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. They are having their wedding this Thursday at the big one. One of the many attractions that will be at the show that evening. But... Uh, the the young referee, Mr. Grider, celebrated his bachelor party with members of the Rush division this past Thursday. That he did. And from the looks of it, he was a little bit reluctant at first, but loosened up, and then things got really crazy. I'm talking like board games. Yeah. And, I mean, I can't think of a better metaphor for marriage, you know, trouble and <laughs> sorry for crying out loud. I paid special attention to that and yeah. actually – laughed out loud when I heard that because I thought <laughs> somebody's been married before and it didn't work out, I bet. I, uh, I, went to a, <laughs> I went to a wedding this past month and when we, we all showed up very late to the groomsmen's room and when we, it was time to stand in line with our, our partnered bridesmaid, I was at the end of the line and three of them ganged me up and said, what were you doing all night? And I said, I can't tell you because you're not going to believe it. And they were like, what were you doing? I was like, we were, we watched rollerblading videos on YouTube and then we watched Tremors. That's all that happened. And Aaron Grider's bachelor party was a little bit more entertaining maybe than the one I went to. Yeah. Board, uh, board games and all. That, yeah, that, that sounds like a, a fairly good time if yeah. you're a nerd. And I was the first I'm time I'd ever that. seen Tremors. Great movie. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Jack Vaughn and Donovan Cecil was after that. That was our next match on the card that evening. Jack Vaughn, a heavyweight champion. Um, he won with some interference from Mahabali Shira against Cashflow. That's what sent Cashflow into this moral dilemma where he doesn't know whether to try to reclaim his big gold belt or to represent Team OVW against the faction. Uh, Donovan Cecil is billed as the strongest man in Kentucky. Yes, the strongest man in Kentucky. But Jack Vaughn is billed as the veteran, and there's a reason for that. We've spoken even earlier in this episode about how much we love Jack Vaughn and his work. Uh, if you had missed it earlier, we will have a couple of different sound bites later on in the week on this feed from the OVW heavyweight champion Jack Vaughn that Brian was able to record at an event in his hometown. Uh, there's really not much more we can really say there. We've already, we've talked about how much we love Jack Vaughn. He's the champion and there's a reason he's the champion. He is truly the last professional wrestler. And he was fired up after that match. Absolutely. That promo that he cut after he walked up the ramp, then walked back to the ring. He means business. Yes. Um, I have a feeling that he will be holding on, especially if cash flow is not in the title picture, he'll be holding on to that belt for a long time, and there won't be a lot of people that even think about challenging them, uh, at least if they are thinking straight. Um, I would like to say congratulations on the haircut, Jack Vaughn. It looks good. It's a lot better than what you had going on before, and uh, I think it's becoming of a champion. Uh, after that, we had the penultimate match in the deciding uh, preliminaries between the faction and Team OVW, uh, Luscious Lawrence was able to pull out a win over Luke Curtis. Luscious Lawrence is another favorite of mine as a wrestling fan. 
I think this guy's great. He's got everything you're looking for. If you turn into wrestling and you want to see somebody that you want to root behind, or, you know, root for, or you know, the guy you want to hate, he can do it all. Yeah, no, and when he first came in, uh, so I know that he was trained by Ricky Morton from the Rock and Roll Express. Um, I, I actually got turned on to Luscious Lawrence by a former coworker of mine who had a friend that tag-teamed for Ricky Morton's Federation. Um, and so that's how I got turned on to Luscious Lawrence, and then he ended up coming on to OVW. Uh, Luke Curtis jump-shotted the match by staying behind the ring. He hit Luscious Lawrence with a belt. Luscious Lawrence had enough mat knowledge to stay in the middle of the ring so that Shannon and the dude could not interfere and ended up with the win versus Luke Curtis, which brings us to the last match of the night, your so-called main event, Cash Flow making the decision to join Team OVW, getting paired up with Jesse Goddard's. The build-up to this was really incredible. It was played really, really nicely. Eric Cornish, the ring announcer, uh, announces Jesse Goddard's with Shannon the Dude. They come out. He prompts three different times for whoever the fifth member of Team OVW is supposed to be to come out. And then the ref is left with no choice but to start the 10 count. We get all the way up to six where we're interrupted by Al Snow, who decides that he's going to become the fifth member of Team OVW. Cashflow then interrupts Al Snow, gets in the ring. The faction do what they do and gang up on him, even though uh, just to you know give themselves a slight advantage for next week. And then at the end of the match, after the faction have gained the advantage for the tables, ladders, and chair match that will main event, the big one on this Thursday, the faction are visited by an old friend, EC3. EC3 was a former Impact World Champion. He's a former WWF star. This guy's the real deal. He is a semi-part of the faction, but it did not look like when he came back to remind the faction that he was going to help them beat Team OVW. Didn't seem like anyone in the faction was actually that pleased about it. I think that this is going to be the thing that actually unravels them. Team OVW should come out on top, um, and it will be through nothing but the hubris of this part-timer, this celebrity, this former world champion in a bigger promotion. It'll be his fault that the faction falls at the big one. Yeah, just by looking at their faces when they see EC3, you can tell nobody's thrilled to see him. Like, four out of the five guys on screen aren't even looking in his direction, and the only one who was, Mr. Pectacular, did not look thrilled at all. Mm -hmm. Not even remotely. Like, didn't even fake a, oh, so good to see you kind of look. It was like, ugh, you again. Yeah, yeah, I think that, I think that in that moment, the faction realized that they're up against a lot more than that they had anticipated in Team OVW, especially with this guy that's only a part-timer, only you know, thinks he's bigger than everybody else sticking his nose in their business. Yeah, so as far as the total story arc for the episode, the question that comes up in the beginning, what would Cashflow do? Ends up being answered, he joins Team OVW, and EC3 at the end is like the wild card we didn't see coming. Mm -hmm. We figured 
that cash flow was eventually going to join team OVW. Well, we, we hoped it. Well, we, of course. We, I hoped it, and I know you hoped it, but we kind of, you know, figured naturally that that seemed to be the way things were going to unfold. But uh, I think the addition of EC3 into this, who is going to quote-unquote help the faction, uh, I it looks like that's going to come back and bite them in the behind somehow, some way. We just have to see how that's going to go. Yeah, I, do, I really do think that it looked grim for our heroes and Team OVW until they got lucky that someone unaware of the situation decided that they wanted to actually be the hero of the night. Turns out they're just a villain. Um, I think that there's a couple of things from last week that we would like to clean up, uh, some of our previous episodes that we would like to clean up. Uh, Just a little good housekeeping, a little good housekeeping match, a little Jeff Jarrett China action. Um, Where where did you want to start, Brian? Because I have a couple of things as well. Well, uh, for starters, after we finished recording last week, it never failed. I remembered the name of my second heel LJN that I bought. Mm-hmm. The first one was Hillbilly Jim versus the Iron Sheik because you have to have somebody to fight. But uh, Junkyard Dog, who was just as hot at the time, uh, went on to face Nikolai Volkov who was the Iron Sheik's partner. So those were the first four LJNs that I purchased as a wee lad in case anybody has been waiting since that first episode to figure out what that would have been. Yeah, and I mean, you could have gotten six months of angles out of those four. So, you know, it's a good four to to start with. Uh, A couple of things that I wanted to address really quick. I think that I called Matt Capitelli, Danny Capitelli. Matt Capitelli is a really beloved former trainer of uh, OVW, so I did want to make sure that I cleaned that up. And then also my mother said that she watched Macho Man and Jerry Lawler growing up, so now I'm a little confused why I wasn't allowed to watch wrestling. Wait, what? Yeah, um, and that also, just for frame of reference, that would have been, been, they're in two different promotions. Macho Man would have been in the ICW out of Lexington. Jerry Lawler would have been in Memphis. Memphis. Uh, Different, a couple of different names that they went to, probably Continental, given the time frame. But just, I, I just want, I did want to give my mom a little shout out there and ask, like, why wasn't I allowed to watch it? Is it because you didn't like Scott Hall? Is it because you don't like Stone Cold? You like Jerry Lawler? You like Macho Man? I can't, I can't watch uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Well, I want to know. Okay, first of all, I'm a hundred percent with you on that one. If she was into the Macho Man. And Jerry the Lawler, Jerry the King Lawler, back in the day, and you weren't allowed to watch wrestling later on. What gives? I don't because know because I think that's a very valid question. Secondly, did she get to see the Lawler and Andy Kaufman feud? Because that is one of my all-time favorite angles in wrestling history, and I, I. I can't say enough about it. It's one of the all-time like great angles in na- wrestling history. National prominence. Yeah, it's one of the all-time great, great, great angles in wrestling history. It almost reminds me a little bit of what's going on right now where a guy has come from Hollywood to go to wrestling instead of coming from wrestling to go to Hollywood in the shape of Logan Paul. Exactly. Who, Logan Paul, and Logan Paul is re- like, I don't want to hear it, guys. That guy could be a world champion, and it wouldn't be a bad thing. 
Um, but no, I, I'll have to ask her about that. That would be about the time she was watching. So I will have to ask her if she remembers, uh, the King and Kaufman. Um, one last thing on our way out here, we are on all of your favorite social medias. We're on the Spotify. Um, I think Stitcher is closing down. So probably next week we won't be on there, but we will be able, you will be able to find us in a ton of other places, including ovwpodcast.com. As well as social media platform of your choosing yeah any social media platform at ovw podcast we're on there um there will be a write-up of the episode that we just talked about kind of a more informal write-up uh kind of maybe a little bit more of uh, my personal voice of a write-up uh that will be on our podcast website this week and as promised We'll have a couple of snippets from the OVW heavyweight champion Jack Vaughn posted to the podcast feed as well this week. Uh, We love you guys. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you later. For the OVW podcast, the unofficial OVW podcast, I'm Brian Hines. Thanks for listening. The OVW podcast is produced by Blacklight Moon Productions at Nuthouse Studios in Lexington, Kentucky. Our editor is Malachi Woodard. Our executive producer is Tiny Brian K. Woodard. Be sure to subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts and rate us five stars on the iTunes.